handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am your host, Exhausted J.L. Covan. It is 1.30 p.m. Eastern on June 5th, Sunday, the Lord's Day, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm sitting here in the home office, window closed, so hopefully it doesn't get too loud, but I didn't want too much background noise. The only background I have right now is Cookie lying on the ground, exhausted from another week of doing nothing. Uh, so, um, a few things. I don't, I hope this won't be a long episode. I'll give you a couple updates. I decided to take a uh, break from social media for a few days or the rest of my life. Um, because it's just, I'm, I've grown too frustrated with the ineffectiveness of my various platforms to reach anyone resembling a fan. Um, I just posted on Friday, that was the breaking point, uh, a video featuring six impressions that I, I just thought it was really top-notch funny shit for me, like just relative to my regular stuff, um, for National Donut Day. And it was uh, Cuomo, Don Jr., Mitch McConnell, Mike Pence, Donald Trump, and Cory Booker all eating donuts um, on National Donut Day. I thought it was hilarious. It was National Donut Day. It was trending on different places. YouTube even sent me an email saying, do some, well, they said do some shorts, which are like their TikTok equivalent. Um, but I said, eh, fuck your rules, YouTube. I'll just do a regular long jail video flaunting and showcasing my unique and varied brand of talent. What's that? Lowest number of views for a video I've put out in two years? Cool. That was a fun experiment in futility. So once I saw that post, both on Twitter and YouTube, reaching nobody, I said, what am I doing this for? Like, legit, I was like, why am I, why am I, I am fighting something that is unwinnable. I cannot defeat the algorithms. Basically, social media views me as, um, you know, a, a Donald Trump mimicking cunt. 
So I just said, uh, you know, I'm going to take a few days and see how long I can stay off social media um, because it's, it's, it's doing nothing for me. The only thing it does is I post good shit. It doesn't get seen. And then I get frustrated and I bitch to you guys weekly. And I said, let's break the cycle. Um, it's been 20, as of today, it's 20, this is day 22, uh, or 21 days after the special taping, um, or 22 days uh, after the special taping version two, have not heard from the company, uh, yet, have not heard from the guy who filmed it yet. So I think I've built up enough passive aggressiveness and I'll contact, uh, them this week and just say, Hey, just curious if, uh, the footage burned in a fire or if it looks like it was recorded during an earthquake or um, if you're going to make amends in any way for having potentially ruined a singularly pivotal moment in my comedy career um, or is the person who was going to sell the first special because that was so good not as impressed with the slightly diminished product of my second taping and he's not going to sell just any time you want to give me answers and we can get moving on, you know, eulogizing my comedy career and just realizing that the, you know, the, the one time I trusted an entity in this business against my better judgment, it, it ended up being terminal for my comedy career. Can you just get back to me when you get a chance? Just when, at your convenience, could you end my career a second time if that's, if you're not too busy? So it's been 22 days. Obviously, it's one of those sort of situations where I think it's like, well, jail's difficult. And yes, I can admit that. Um, I am very difficult when I see someone destroy the most important moment of my career. I become a real diva bitch when that happens. And I'm also just realizing um, I don't think I'm likable. I, I think in real life and in comedy. And I never, one of the things that appealed to me about comedy is I felt like uh, funny, right? funny. I got to be funny. I think I'm funny and I'll work hard at it. But I just realized, I think I said to the righteous girlfriend yesterday, we were leaving Top Gun 2, which I'll talk about in a, in a bit, but spoiler, I loved it. Um, but we, uh, I said to her, I said, I don't think people like me. And the funny thing is it's not for the same reason. I feel like people have like nine different, it's, I'm like a Rorschach test for shit you don't like. So if you're a short person, I look like an imperious tall cunt walking around thinking I'm better than everybody else. I am, but I try not to give that off by just being tall. But I feel like if you're a short piece of, like there's a guy, I can just go through my building. There's this like nice looking Latin chick and her short, never smiling Latin husband, boyfriend. And they have, I think they have a kid, a kid on the way, but I always, I always kind of chuckle because like, they, like, I try to be neighborly, but I don't know if it looks like uh, me saying, hey, is like Spanish for can I fuck your wife? I just thought it was like a, how you doing? Or, hey, oh, hey, neighbor. Hey, family coming out of the elevator. Mean mugged. 100% consistency with the mean mugging. Okay. A lot of people, I think, think I'm a cop or something, but only people who hate cops. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's never somebody who fucking loves Trump and wants to suck a cop's dick just to prove that blue lives and blue balls matter. Those people never look at they they look at me and see, uh, you know, radical left quasi minority 
So then I get a mean mug from from the the right wingers. But but people who hate cops, whether they are progressives or leftists or minorities who've had bad experiences, those are the ones who see me as a cop. And I get like, I just I, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of the, I'm just coming to the to the conclusion that like you know G Gary Goldman uh, had a thing um, in the Great Depression where he talked about serotonin. Like, like we get a serotonin boost from sort of pithy but friendly little interactions each day, which is, you know, one of the things we probably were losing during the, the pandemic. Um, but I was getting, you know, serotonin, I guess, from likes and celebrity tweets and money from Cameo and YouTube. So I guess that was my replacement for social contact, but I was getting a lot of approval and affirmation. But he said, you get a lot, a lot of bumps from that. Like, hey, how you doing? Or walking into a store and going, oh, how are you? Like, that's what my uncle loved about having a video store in the neighborhood. It wasn't the, the, the need necessarily for movies, but it was like a, you know, hey, you go three times a week to the video store, you chat to somebody about movies, you, you, you see a clerk that you, you, you're friendly with, and then it's just a nice little boost. But now we all stream in our panic rooms. Um, so, but I get... I, I noticed, and then there's just a whole class of young people who seem to, like my neighbor is in sales, I think, and he's very outgoing, but I think that, you know, that's that's the exception, like my a newer neighbor, but most of my neighbors, you know, you, you gotta like fucking clockwork orange them to get eye contact and a hello, and so if you don't get that, re whatever, if you don't get that reference, um, God, I had a reference that I told the righteous girlfriend, what was it? It was so good and so specific and so useless as a joke. Shit. Maybe I'll remember it during this episode, but it was like so good for me and like six people living. That's those. That's who the joke would be for. Um, but I don't get eye contact from people. It's like every, you know, so, so you, you can basically wipe out people under 35 as just generally lacking anything resembling what we used to call a social skill or social grace. They're too busy like picking lint out of their toes on their Starbucks table while drinking a coffee. Um, you know, that gives them license to sit in a chair for six hours and use up Wi-Fi and air conditioning. It, very difficult to get eye contact from people like that. But um, I don't know. I just feel like whatever, whatever... Whatever it is, I don't, and and it must it must be something I give off, like the like a like a pheromone, but for like I hate this guy, like it must. I mean, maybe that just explains my. Maybe we've come to the conclusion that there's just some je ne sais quoi, um, je ne sais quant <laughs> about me that maybe explains so much, and maybe whatever I get from neighbors and strangers and just mean mugged by every demographic and every, the ones who make eye contact, for whatever they see, oh God, that Ita I hate Italians, oh, I hate cops, oh, I hate minorities, I hate tall people, um, I hate people breathing, saying hello, I hate people who try to be neighborly, like whatever it is, I seem to just trigger in so many people just the opposite, and it would be much easier, you know, I, I wish I could just become a super villain. But in real life, those are called, you know, killers and terrorists and things. So I don't want to be that. I just want to be happy. <laughs> in a comic book, I would become a super villain, you know, where it's safe. But in real life, I can't become a super villain. And I don't want to be I just want to be, um, you know, I guess the solution is just to, to do podcasts and um, work out alone and um, try to eat healthy and read the paper and die, I guess, right?
That's, I mean, I, I'm not even saying, I hope you can hear the chipperness in my voice. I'm not talking about comedy. Somehow, when I talk about comedy, comedy is like talking about a child dying. It's just sad. It just brings out nothing but pain in me. But talking about my own demise is sort of like uh, darkly humorous, just because it's sort of like, how did I think comedy could work when life doesn't even work? How do I, if my neighbor who I say hello to doesn't want to say hello, then why the fuck would a comedy club reply to my email? Wake up, JL, it's you. And je ne sais cunt, I can't make the title of the episode because it might ruin the algorithm and I might, instead of getting um, 900 listens, I might get 825 and we can't have that kind of drop off this week, everybody. Uh, these are critical times. These are end times for my comedy career. I, I kind of want to rewrite the Bible and I know, guys, maybe I'm manic depressive. This is possible. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I've been seeing a therapist for a while. She thinks I need antidepressants, but she hasn't, you know, she doesn't think I'm anything beyond just sort of uh, an empathic, depressed person. Uh, but but um, I um, maybe I should rewrite the Bible, but it's all about my comedy career. Like the book of Genesis would be when he was five, his parents fought. And then his mother laughed, and the fighting stopped. And JL said, let there be jokes. Let me do sketches in the living room for the enjoyment of my family. And on the seventh day, Sunday, the day before his mother would go back to work, while his father was downtown hanging out with his friends from the Haitian diaspora, the laughter ended because Sundays were always tough. For JL's mom, because the week was about to begin again, and the rest and relaxation was over. So on the on the seventh day, laughter rested, <laughs> and we just go through until we get to the book of Revelations, which is like, and then when the comedy career is ending, <laughs> we prophesy that a comedy club shall fuck up JL's special, <laughs> and emotional hellfire will rain down on podcasts. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's the kind of week I'm having, folks, but it's good. It's Sunday. Cookie is uh, just licking her paw, you know, as dogs will do. Um, and uh, the nephew is coming over. He's going to do some exam studying here, and then we're going to watch a movie and get some dinner. Uh, just some, you know, just it, I, I, I'm starting to think I'm more of a scared straight program for my nephew. His initials are also JLC, and I think my brother may be sending him over here every Sunday to be like, <laughs> you don't... <laughs> I don't even have to go into it. But it's like, you see how Uncle JL lives? Do you see his how tired he is? Do you see his mood? Do you see how frustrated he is with life? You want that to be you? <laughs> then study your algebra, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, oh, by the way, guys, I have a Patreon. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, I only lost four. Uh, oh, no, I'm back up to, I've only lost like two members. So one month, uh, we've only lost like 2.9%. So how about that? Is that good? Probably not. But um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh, it's the best that I can do. Um, I, I, I think my people have passion projects. I feel like my Patreon, JL Max Plus Prime, is more of a pride project. And I don't mean that in a gay rights way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean it more in a, yeah, I want to put out good work and just see who wants to pay for it. And the answer is not many people. Um, 
But like I said, I'm going to do it till at least July. July 15th is a real big day. It's when I go to Boston. It's when I get a quarterly bonus from my day job. That's when we'll be three months into Patreon content. Um, and we'll see. Making podcasts great again is uh, losing listeners and losing Patreon people. So it's I, I think the you know it's it's we're in end times. I think for my comedy career, and that's okay. Um, before all this happened, I was I was basically you know sort of contemplating quitting in 2019 seriously that's why i took a day job and moved to new jersey like that's the most concrete proof i can offer that it was like it was it was sort of wrapping up um and now it feels the same way like and that's why i took off from social media for a few days or or whoever knows how who knows how long because it's just not doing anything for me um except except it's a preamble to deep frustration you know, nobody sees sees the tweets anymore. Um, nobody of note. Like my only hope for a tweet, when, when you have six digits in terms of followers, you shouldn't need celebrities to retweet you. But when you're shadow banned and, you're, and whatnot, you're, you, then I'm reliant on, well, I hope some of the celebrities who see me. And I've noticed like over the months, like Richard Marks is like – Leonidas from 300 like he's the last dude he's like who's def- <laughs> that's a fun that would be a funny um uh picture photoshop it's 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 Gerard Butler from 300 but instead it's Richard Marks and it's like instead of 300 it's it's JL's comedy career and he's <laughs> you'd have Richard Marks like madness this is JL's career and then he kicks you know a comedy club owner down a well. <laughs> oh man, this is like my favorite episode ever. Cause I'm like, I feel free. This is maybe just not being on social media for a couple of days. I feel free. Like I can discuss all the things that torment me, but in like a fun, lighthearted way. And it feels pretty good guys. I'm, I'm not like, yeah, the career sucks. I fucking hate people. I'm listening to Marilyn Manson right now. No, instead I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. Oh, well, <laughs> and I'm not even on antidepressants, folks. Imagine they get me on some fucking pharmaceuticals, bro. I'll just be on here going, I'm cutting myself, and it feels kind of good. This has been the Righteous Prick Podcast. Not afraid of <laughs> streaming fake suicide. Uh, Ron Reagan Jr., it's always good to have you back. Thank you so much. But uh, I still take credit for the fact that his new round of atheist commercials are more subdued. Somebody got to him. I know I'm always trying to take credit for things because I'm a comedy genius, guilty as charged. Uh, but man, he really toned it down in the new commercials. He's really trying to be your, na- your friendly neighborhood atheist now. Instead of smug douche who doesn't believe in God, he's like, Ron Reagan, not afraid of burning in hell. Which is really more subdued than Ron Reagan, if you believe in God, suck my fucking dick. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm reading through the Robin Williams biography that will be reviewed on the Patreon, um, in July, along with a Roberto Clemente biography. But, uh, it's, uh, like I said, I don't like to give spoilers, I don't, but I'm enjoying the shit out of it so far. So you can get an early head start on Dave Itzkoff's, uh, bio on Robin Williams, which came out in like 2018, but I'm just getting to it now. Um, there's actually like a method to my madness of the book reviews. Like I wanted to add more fiction and then it, like this episode coming up in July will be the summer reading episode. So it's like a bio on a comedian and a bio on, a, on an athlete, you know, a little more lighter beach read stuff. 
other than the fact that obviously Robin Williams killed himself and Roberta Clemente died in a plane crash delivering humanitarian relief to his home country. Other than those, lighthearted summer reading. Not afraid of tragedy on the beach. Um, <laughs> but what else do I want to talk about? God, I wish I could remember that joke, though. It was so specific, and I was like, nobody will get that. But I'm, it, it, it makes me so happy, and I can't remember what the joke was. I got the righteous girlfriend to laugh yesterday during Top Gun 2 because John Hamm, was very, he's in it, uh, you know, most notably from Mad Men. He co-stars in it as, you know, the bureaucratic uh, supervisor uh, of Tom Cruise who's always the naysayer and always the sort of by-the-book douchebag. And I just, he got so mad in one scene, I just leaned over to the righteous girlfriend and I said, looks like John Hamm is a mad man. And she laughed at that, and I, I, I was so mad. I was like, that's what gets you? You stifle laughter when I share with you real genius. But when I say that, that gets a laugh out of you in the middle of a movie. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I went to see uh, Top Gun 2 at the Willowbrook Mall, which is now like my unofficial official theater. Um, I, I joined, I, I, um, I, I became a member of the Cinemark Movie Club. So that entailed, I had to go over, I had to go to the theater at midnight and 10 of the employees beat the shit out of me. Uh, blood in, blood out is the Cinemark uh, membership rule. So they beat the shit out of me and then put the app on my phone and said, welcome, welcome to the f movie club essay. And uh, <laughs> so it was pretty good because they immediately gave me a free ticket. And then I had some points because I'd been like a member, but not like a pay, you know, just like the, give us your email and we'll give you points every time you see a movie. But now I'm a paying member. So like the points I had accrued plus the automatic free ticket that they give you for signing up. And I think, and then like, I like, and then I get a free ticket each month. Um, I got to see it on the the Cinemark equivalent to IMAX, um, which I think is called Cinemark Ass Buster, and uh, for three dollars, two matinee, you know, mid afternoon, not a nighttime, but two two matinee like IMAX equivalent showings, three bucks was my total because I had some points and a free ticket. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay, Cinemark, you're winning me over. But um, before the movie, of course, the movie starts, and uh, a woman two rows in front of us immediately gets on her phone to text. And I was just like, this is why I don't, this is why I don't want to come fuck COVID people. People are my problem now at movies, not COVID. I got I wore a mask. I ate my Reese's pieces, ET phone home. And then I put my mask on. So I wasn't worried about COVID. I'm triple vaxxed. I've traveled this country like a madman, and I haven't gotten fucking anything. I think I'm immune and I'm not, you know, I mean, I mean, immune plus three vaccines from Moderna. But I'm starting to think that maybe I should go get tested. Like, what if that's my superhero? Do you see already I'm moving past comedy and setting my sights for something more humble, a Christ-like savior for the world? What if my blood is actually the blood of Christ and can heal the world? Have you thought about that, fans? Okay, still wouldn't sign up to my Patreon. I'd be like, if you sign up at the $5 level, I'll give you everlasting life. Um... Mm, that's a little steep for me. I'm just going to stick with the free feed. Thank you, Lord and Savior. Uh, just sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com, JC. And uh, at the $2 level, you get uh, two miracles. At the $10 level, you get into heaven. Mm, 
I'm just going to stick with the free feed right now because there's so much content out there for free. Why would I even pay? Okay. And then Jesus writes back and is like, are you serious? Like, um, I mean, I'm offering like you don't have you could just not sign up. You don't have to tell me you're not signing up. Like, just don't sign up. But like I am, you know, it's kind of insulting when I'm offering you everlasting life in heaven for the $10 a month level and you go out of your way to write to me on Twitter to say, um, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, JC. Love the free content. Gonna stick with that. You didn't have to. Wow, Jesus. Okay, I've been a fan for a while. Like I got baptized, first communion confirmed okay and yes i married a jewish woman but we did have a priest at the wedding okay and for all that you're like shouting me out on twitter wow you're a dick unsubscribe so that's a sketch i call g if jesus christ had a patreon uh, i just came up with that that's actually pretty good god i feel good today it's just it's freeing i think i may have to quit social media like, I'm going to keep the accounts just for, but I, I may have to quit social media. Um, and uh, that's about it, I think. And, and comedy. I think, I think the irony is my podcast will be, go from a, from a A- minus to an A++ as long as I abandon any attempts to actually be a comedian. I think this podcast will skyrocket. Jesus Christ's Patreon. I think that's the name of the episode. Um, what did I say before about cunt? I wanted to say something about cunt, but I think I've said the word cunt too much on this episode. It's going to turn off three people who will tweet me about it. But guess who's not reading Twitter right now? Not afraid of ignoring his mentions. Um, so Top Gun, I wanted to talk about some other stuff, I think. I'm still mad I can't remember the joke that I was going to share with you guys. But um, by the way, did you guys know I'm going to Boston in July? That's my next gig, July 15th, two shows at City Winery. Um, would love to sell both shows out because I have tax bills to pay. Um, the irony is I am about, I just paid off my June quarterly and before August, I'm probably going to be able to pay off what I owe for September. But I may not have to make another quarterly payment because my, my comedy income is like plummeting. So I'm probably like, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, I definitely have paid more than I need to pay. And you feel good about that, but you're also like, but could I just have the money? But uh, taxation is theft. This is where JL pivoted from biracial left of center humorous comedian to um, only identifying with his white side libertarian uh, truth speaker. <laughs> taxation is theft, bro. Okay. Yeah. Um, so where were we guys? I know genius. That's what I've been dropping on you. Uh, I've finally begun season two of big sky on Hulu, the ABC drama, which was renewed for a third season. And I gotta say, it's very tough for me to watch. Cause I really, as, as, as acceptable as, as socially acceptable, just put me right up to the line of whatever's socially acceptable to lust for two actresses on TV. The two lead actresses on that show, and I think I've talked about them before. One was, a, was one of the stars of the show Vikings, and the other was the star of an incredibly underrated, underviewed show called Pitch, which for my money, Mark Paul Gossler should have been nominated for a best lead actor in a drama. I'm not kidding you. I'm, I was so disappointed that that didn't work. 
Um, I mean, it worked that it didn't succeed. Uh, but that show was awesome. And the two women in Big Sky, I'm just like, I'm actually enjoying the show. There's a subplot. There's a continuation of a plot in season two that I think they could have just gotten rid of. It's it's like the weak part of the of the show, but the the main plot is is enjoyable and exciting. But these two women, I, I just, you know, the one woman from Pitch, I I'm just guessing she was she's she's black. I don't know if she's mixed, but she she looks black. Um, probably a model. She because she's tall. She just looks like she was a model turned actress. And the woman from Vikings is just. Uh, um, I mean, just speechless. I'm speechless. But it's like, it, it, it's it's just, it's just, it's almost too much, but the show is good, so it's okay. But it's, if the show was dog shit, I think, I think I'd watch it anyway. Just to be like, it's like watching a, a Bob Ross painting you want to fuck. It's just so calming and beautiful. Both the Montana... The Montana landscape, although I think it's filmed in like Utah, but you get what I'm saying. Whatever they're posing as Montana. And these two actresses, just, just stunning. Just so, it's, it's, it's a real, they're, they're real works of art. And I say that with the classiest direction possible. Okay, so... Um, but I'm watching Big Sky, and I think I talked about American. Oh no, I talked about American Underdog on the bonus episode. It's a really, it's a really funny bonus episode. If you like this podcast, the most recent post to the Patreon was a, a full episode, a little more depressing than this one. But the last 15 minutes are my review of American Underdog, which is also available on Hulu, and um, I recommend it. But obviously, I think the review was was superb. Um, just I, I I can't say it enough. Um, I can say it enough, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, the Patreon stuff is is really good. So if you're a fan, uh, consider you know a, a very nominal a monthly donation because it's not a donation. It's good shit I'm handing out. But um, I talk about I think I talked about a very entitled former fan on the on the bonus episode as well. But. Uh, Top Gun 2 before I'll, I'll end with Top Gun 2 but I'm trying to think oh I started The Boys season 3 one of my favorite shows on TV so I watched two of the three episodes last night I'll get to I'll get caught up tonight on the third that was put up love that show not for the faint of heart but love that show and ironically as I apparently uh, I reviewed the book Black Leopard Red Wolf or Red Wolf Black Leopard well Black Leopard Red, Red Wolf um, on the Patreon and I make allusions to some of the more graphic scenes. And then I watch episode one of The Boys, season three. And I'm like, uh, I guess they could make that book into a Netflix series now that The Boys has has gone where no show has ever gone before in terms of, um, I'll just say, death while sexing. Um, I'll leave it vague like that. But uh, love The Boys. Uh, it's, it's, it really is a great, great show. Um, not for everybody, you know, if you don't like comic book stuff, not for you. If you don't like super graphic stuff, not for you. And I respect that. But for me, it's, it's so good that I'm willing to look at, to watch some of the more cringe worthy visuals that the show has. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've watched. I watched the movie Emergency on Amazon, which was, which was, which was solid. I thought it would be better, but it wasn't bad. Um, 
And I guess I guess that's it. A lot of stuff to watch. A lot of stuff to read. Um, and I'm trying to think. I can't remember that joke, so I'm very sorry. Uh, it was like Dennis Miller to the 14th power. How obscure but perfect the joke was. But I, yeah, I'll probably never remember it. So I'll either never remember it or I'll remember it as soon as I press stop on this podcast. But uh, let's see. I guess we can just get to Top Gun 2. Um, oh, God damn it. Did I really do that? I was talking about the woman who got who started texting. Yeah, let's get back to t- now. This is a perfect way to get back to a story I I interrupted myself on. But a woman starts texting right at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, "Why am I here? Why can't what? What? First of all, why are you at the movie? Don't you want to escape? Everybody's like, I want to escape. I want to get. I want to get at. No, you don't. You you're addicted to your phone, and you're and you're fucking rude." And gets on her phone right away, but it's dimmed, and she never gets on her phone again. And I, I, I thought to myself, okay, maybe I jumped the gun on her. Um, it also helped that when she like left her seat to get like a snack and come back in mid movie, she had a an impressive rack that she was showcasing, like they do in New Jersey. Um, and I said, all's forgiven, ma'am, because not only you you you, you ceased being rude, you, you sent a text. It might have been a text at the beginning of the movie saying. Okay, watching the movie, it's beginning. Talk to you later. I can respect that. You could have done it a minute earlier, but okay. But then, next to us was a man. A white man. A cis white man of privilege. Who sat with a large popcorn which looked comical because he wasn't that big a guy, but it was a, it was a big, big old sack of popcorn, a soda and a candy, and his phone not dimmed. That if, when I say to you, here's his list of offenses. Now, and I'm talking from start of movie. I don't even start penalizing people during commercials or previews. That is not the movie. I really don't give a shit what you do during previews. It it lets me know you might be somebody who will annoy me during the movie, but I don't you it is it is it is not a crime of any sort. It is not a cinematic crime for me if you are texting or anything on your phone before the actual movie starts. That's my rule. I think in the words of Commodus from Gladiator, am I not merciful? So I'm okay with that. I think that's I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think it's a reason it's reasonable if you like are annoyed by it, but I also think my position is a fairly sound reasonable one, which is don't text during the movie. Whatever you do before the movie is not my concern. Well, this guy, Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, is about a 2 hour and 13 minute movie or some shit. I kid you not when I say this man was texting for approximately 50 minutes of the two hours and 10 minutes. Left the theater three times with his phone, presumably for phone calls. And at one point midway through the movie, started doing voice to text. And I was not happy. But that guy can, you know why I don't say anything? And this is going to come off cowardly, and maybe it is. Because people are fucking nuts. And there's guns out there. And now I don't think this guy with his sack of popcorn, his large soda, his general lack of awareness of anything going around him, 
I don't know that he was packing heat and going to shoot up the theater, but I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, this is the kind of shit where I'm like, mm, that's why I'm going to see. Da- uh, that's why I'm waiting for Doctor Strange on Disney Plus later this month because unless I really want to see a movie now, I don't want to deal with the people. And that's, it's such a sad kind and maybe that comes across on my face to bring it full circle. Maybe people can see on my face that I don't like people. They read between the lines and go, this guy does, ooh, alert, during the podcast, a patron, also known as a patron, meet Nicole. Okay, maybe Nicole, what if Nicole, I want to be. I, 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 there's no actual conceivable way Nicole could be the woman who was in the movie theater last night. But it would be nice if she made that connection. Like, I think that guy's a comedian and he respects me for not using my phone. I'm going to join his Patreon. But thank you, Nicole. Uh, the rare shout out. But I guess if you if you happen to subscribe to my Patreon right while I'm recording, you get a shout out. So how about that? So thank you. That's fun. Enjoy... All that content. Blah. <laughs> um, I don't know. My Patreon is better than like my Patreon is like it's it's. I think I'm doing it just to to once again to be a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like I know people aren't going to sign up for it in the numbers I want, but instead, what I do is I go. I want to make the best Patreon that I'm aware of. Like the most videos, the most investment the most varied content so that I feel validated when nobody signs up to go, yeah, fuck this. That's literally what it is. It's an exercise in, can I just make myself unhappy again just to validate my unhappiness? I can? Great. Thank you, Patreon. But thank you, Nicole, for joining. What a wonderful, what a wonderful little moment. But this guy, like, I, like this is why I don't go to the mo- uh, like. One of the reasons I don't go to the movies. I mean, COVID obviously played a huge role, but but part of it is just, I always get annoyed because I just can't believe that people can't just let go of their fucking phone. Like, you're at a movie. Don't go to the movie then. It's fine. Nobody. If you want to be on your phone and like sitting at home, I don't give you. But they ask you to not be on your phone. It's the same thing. I just thought of the joke. I just remembered the joke, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Here's what it is. In the play, it's not Dennis Miller. It's more obscure. But I said, I already gave you Jesus Christ Patreon. And I'm going to give you another one. A new character. MAGA guy who's really into theater. MAGA guy who's really into theater. And this was the thing that I said to the righteous girlfriend that she laughed at because she went to the play with me. But that I, there is no audience for this joke. Now, David Morse, who if you look him up, you'll recognize him from many, many things. He is in this play. I review the play. I'm, I'm Not to keep pumping the Patreon, but I review, I'm, I've been reviewing several Broadway plays in addition to all the things I'm doing on the Patreon. And one of the plays I saw during my Tony run of shows uh, was How I Learned to Drive, which is a, a, a play about an uncle grooming as we learn throughout the play, he's grooming his niece um, sexually. And 
the performance by David Morse is outstanding. They're both great, him and Mary Louise Parker. If you don't know who Mary Louise Parker is, she's she's the lady you get when Marissa Tomei is busy. Um, I'm just kidding. That's like a joke. No, Mary Louise Parker. People know her from TV, but I think she's a, she's a very she is a very accomplished stage actress. But she's also had a pretty good TV and film career. But um, he calls her Lil Bit. That's his nickname for her because I think it refers to her vagina when she was born a baby. It's really kind of her family is very crude in the uh, in the I'm, I'm not saying that as a joke like that's part of the play. Her family is just very sexually crude. And. But he's like a big older man. He's like six four. But he, you know, he's just very. He never. He's never angry. And I think that's the menacing or creepiness of it. He's never. He never gets aggressive. He never forces anything. But he kind of plays on sympathies, and he play like he's. But he talks. So he's like, oh, come on, come on, little bit. Oh, come on, sit next to me. Oh, I'm gonna teach you how to drive. You want to learn how to drive? Come on. And it's like that kind of coaxing tone that he maintains. It really, he stays in that sort of pocket for most of the play, which makes it almost understandable if if it's a conscious grooming tactic or something. But it's this like creeping. The creepiness creeps in, and all I said to write score. This is way too long for a joke. First of all, to, this is why I need an audience that has seen the play. Most people haven't, even though it's nominated for like seven Tonys or something. Um, and then I would expect MAGA people to see it even less. Uh, but I kept saying, it's like, if I wanted to do a joke about Broadway plays to a MAGA crowd, I'd say, uh, did you see that play about Joe Biden? How I learned to drive. Oh, and righteous girlfriend gave it the appropriate roll of the eyes and a laugh which was a combination of that is funny nobody will get it and um i don't know why i just told you that but that was the joke i was trying to remember how stupid is that but it was it was like if i were speaking to a crowd of maga theater majors like if you major in theater at liberty university i can be your guest comedian and you might get that joke you'd be like Oh, yeah, that guy did. have. He was like what a Republican comedian would think of Joe Biden. Like, hey, hey oh, oh, come on, man. Like it's a little he's a younger man than Biden. But it's like, oh, come on. Like without the anger, if you just have Joe Biden going, come on. Ah, hey, what's going on there, man? Can I grab your tits, niece? Come on, Jack. I'm just saying it's a weird thing. But I'm just I had to share it with you because I remembered. Okay. I remembered. So I just walked you on like a four minute Broadway MAGA journey for a bit, for a nine word joke. <laughs> um, but I'm feeling good. Once again, this is your weekly reminder that commercials, please stop using the song feeling good because it's making me feel really fucking annoyed. Thank you. Not afraid of trashing overused classic songs. Um... I feel like I could do like a country band or a barbershop quartet in the different ranges of Ron Reagan Jr., right? Like you get not, not, like the not afraid. There's one guy going at the not afraid of burning in hell. And then you have the bass going not afraid of burning in hell. And then they just combine into not afraid of burning in hell. <laughs> what you're thinking right now is 
I'm really enjoying this podcast. Is JL actually losing his mind this week? Is Has it happened? 22 days since I recorded Half Blackface version 2. Um, but Top Gun 2, folks. That's why you listen to the podcast. You want my review of Top Gun 2. Which, by the way, on the Patreon for Making Podcasts Great Again, Mike Pence reviews American Underdog and Top Gun 2. And uh, hilarious. Whatever. Nobody gives a shit. Um, Boston, July 15th, guys. Get your tickets now, please. Please. I just, I want to pay the tax man, and then I, I want to burn all my comedy notebooks and, and just find uh, peace and happiness somewhere in the arms of a prostitute in Reno. Okay? That's all I want. Um, I don't know why I said that. Reno? I'm never going to Reno. Um, Reno Failure would be the title of that podcast, am I right? No, you don't get that that's a pun on renal failure? What's a renal? That's actually something that somebody said in Girls 5 Eva this week. So I'm not stealing it intentionally, but she talked about uh, renal failure, and she says, I don't even have a renal. But renal failure involving the kidneys, that has been biology lesson terminology podcasting for you. Anyway, Top Gun 2. Come to see me in Boston, by the way. Did I mention that four times already? I think I did. But uh, important shows. Could be the last shows of my career. Why wouldn't you want to be there? What's that? Because I'm unlikable? Full circle. We're back there. JL has a lot of height. He has angry eyebrows and he's smart. Most people find that combo off-putting. And that's before he even says, What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you looking at? Fuck you. JL. Not likable. Uh, oh, the un, instead of unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, unlikable. <laughs> Top Gun 2, guys. Come see me in Boston. Top Gun 2. <clears throat> there is some cheese. There is some eye-rolling moments, but they are done more in service of remember this, not for the sake of this is good cinema. But I got to say, Top Gun 2... I think Top Gun 1 is a, largely a piece of shit movie that does not hold up at all. But I was never into planes or anything like that. Um, but I didn't get into my astronaut phase until like 10 years ago where I was just like, holy shit, astronauts are fucking amazing. And obviously astronauts almost always start as pilots. Uh, the first astronauts were Navy test pilots, just super ballsy Super brave white dudes. <laughs> um, Cis, heterosexual, white men. But, um, yeah, and then I just started consuming all that space content. Man, love the right stuff on Disney+. Plus. Love the right stuff, the original Best Picture-nominated movie from 1983. Love the book, The Right Stuff, by Tom Wolfe. Loved First Man, a movie that was robbed of Oscar nominations from the directing wunderkind uh damien chazelle starring ryan gosling as neil armstrong incredible movie insane on the imax incredible a plus no i just gave it an a i think it was no only captain phillips got an a plus for me only captain phillips was a more disrespected movie in my mind in the last decade tom hanks not tom hanks not winning the oscar for captain phillips was absurd enough not getting nominated Oscars lost all legitimacy to me, and nobody followed my hashtag, Oscars not Hanks enough. 
So, <laughs> but anyway, Top Gun 2, guys. Come see me in Boston, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned that, but July 15th. Get your tickets now. Or um, uh, unless you like masochistic podcasting, I feel like this upbeat, manic podcasting is a lot more fun to listen to than the, well, I went to Boston, I got hit by a car, I choked on a donut at Dunkin' Donuts, and then nine people showed up to my show, and I wept on stage for half an hour. So let's talk about that for an hour on a Monday morning, shall we, folks? Thanks for listening. Have you joined my Patreon? I'm down to net. I don't know how this happened. I'm at negative nine subscribers to Patreon. I have to pay people. That's how few... I'm now paying people to not subscribe. I don't even, I didn't know if that was possible. I'm in a, I'm in an alternate universe Patreon where I have to pay people. So anyway, guys, Top Gun 2. Um, outstanding movie. Like it's, 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 it's outstanding in terms of visually incredible, incredible stunts. I actually found myself for the first time in a long time. It has, it has the vibe almost of a sports movie, even though it's about military pilots. Um, and I felt like it had more focus. There was like a focused direction to this movie, whereas Top Gun just kind of felt like, hey, we're doing stuff. We're young, we're handsome, one of us might be gay, and we're in the uh, Navy Top Pilots program, bro. Montages, homoeroticism, and a soundtrack. We've got an 80s hit. Whereas this movie seemed to have a focused subplot and a focused actual plot. Um good performances uh tom cruise he's the he's the best man he just you know he just he is i'm sorry i know the scientology turns a lot of people off i you know i he's just the best plain and simple he he just he just he's like the way Shaq was for the center position he's what movie start like he's the last greatest movie star he's just it's like everybody else is like a product i mean dicaprio actually is 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 like critically more more esteemed but not quite i think the just pure box office that tom cruise is but tom cruise he does franchises and stuff but but he he really does have a varied resume as a as a hollywood a plus lister and He's just—he's charming in this one. He—he he looks great, and I—I I said to—I said to the right girlfriend because Tom Cruise spoke to us before the movie on the screen. He wasn't in the theater, but he's starting to go, get a little bit of that Robert Redford weathered looking—not like eighty-year-old leathery Robert Redford, but you know, just like the skin's getting. A little, but I said, no, no, no. See, Tom Cruise has always been smart about aging. His goal is not to look thirty-five. His goal is just to look ten years to twelve years younger than he is. And right now he looks like a wet, like in, not in the movie. He looks young in the movie, but that's makeup, that's hair, um, haircut, whatever. But in the in the pre-movie speech where he's like, "Thank you for coming to the movie. We appreciate. It. We do it for you." And I was like, "Thank you, Tom. I'm here for you. So it's good that we're we're friends now. Join my Patreon, will you, Tom?" But he looks like a like a rugged 53-year-old, but he's like 60 or 61. So that's like good. Like, do you see, he's not trying to look like, look, wow, Tom Cruise is only, no, he's trying to just look younger than he is. He's always just managed to look good for his age, which is the way to do it. It's when people, men and women, try to be like, I don't want to turn 60. I want to look 32. So I'm going to get lips and eyes and tucks and Botox and tits and rejuvenation and 
anal bleaching and look at me i look like a fucked up cat <laughs> so um the movie is i really enjoyed the movie i really enjoyed it I, I even with the really irritating distraction of the guy next to us who i just wanted to like kindly go over to him except i i look like somebody that he would hate for whatever he would pick a reason to hate me the the hateful rorschach test um but he would i wanted to just say why why are you at the movie and i know see when you're six seven two sixty it comes out everything comes off as menacing but i really no no dude i'm not i'm not mad but this is a good movie you should like come back when you're ready to watch it like why are you here you have a sack of popcorn and you've sent 380 text messages, four of them by voice. You've left for three phone calls. What is going on? You're not a doctor. So what, what gives, sir? Respect the goat on screen and respect the woat sitting next to you. Me, not the righteous girlfriend. Um... But I loved it. I, I, I really, it was a, it, I had a fun experience in the theater. Like it just felt good. It was just like, that was a pleasant way to spend a Saturday afternoon. It, it, it delivered quality enough so that I didn't have to feel like I was watching a guilty pleasure, but it delivered enough rah-rah and thrilling moments and great, great aerial footage. I mean, great that I was just like, no, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. After seeing this movie. That was awesome. Thank you, Tom Cruise. Um, so that's it. That's the episode, guys. You have been wonderful. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am actually probably going to have to listen back to this episode because there was actually some good stuff. But Jesus Christ, Patreon. Um, I got to remember that as a character. Not that I do a lot of characters, but sometimes I just give away shit on the podcast that comes to me and I don't, I don't revisit it. Um, and maybe I, you know, this, this podcast can be a resource for the, for the remaining seven weeks of my comedy career. It can be a resource to, you know, those Boston shows are going to be lit, bro. Also, oh boy, I almost forgot hey, a little bit. That's a callback to, uh, David Morse in how I learned to drive. Hey, come on, Jack, let me feel your tits. I'm telling you MAGA people who are into theater. If you know any MAGA people who are theater heads, if you know, those four closeted hateful gay men, please uh, point them to this episode and they will go, God, I, I've been waiting for a comedian to do Joe Biden's slander via Tony nominated plays. I've been waiting for a comedian that hits that mark. And boy, does JL hit it. Um, gambling. KJ, uh, KJ, uh, Uncut Gems, Uncut JLMs uh, segment. So, the big bet, which I think I talked about on the bonus, but the big bet was uh, I bet the Bulls to beat the uh, Celtics in Game 7. I bet $1,000 on FanDuel. They lost. But fa the reason I bet $1,000 is FanDuel was doing a promotion where we will reimburse you up to $1,000 on your first bet. So I woke up the next morning with a loss and with 1000 bucks back in my, my account, my FanDuel's account. So I then bet the Rangers game seven and they fucking smoked whatever Carolina team they were playing and destroyed them. And boom, now there was 2,200 bucks in my account. And I said, this is how I win. KJ, KJ, do you think I should bet against the Celtics? KJ, come on, come on, KJ. And um, so I then 
and then I had an even bigger bet, which was at plus 3,000, I took 200 of that 1,200 winning and put it on Marin Cilic, who was playing well, and he is a former U.S. Open champion. He was plus 3,000, so I put 200 on him. My winnings would have been, you know, my total payback would have been 6,200. And then he made it to the semifinals and got smoked. I disagree. Uh, so I lost. I lost that one. But that I was still plus 1,000. Then I, play, I decided to bet, and this is where JL gets in his own way. By the way, the, the hottest bets to play, I should have just been, I've been tempted, but I don't always like to bet on my own teams because I feel like I jinxed them. I should have just been doing Yankees, Rangers, parlays because they are fucking, sm- and, and I would, it would make me doubly happy because I'm rooting for both teams. But the Rangers and the Yankees are both smoking people right now. Um, but as soon as I say that, the good times will end. But those would have been the bets to play. But instead, I decided to bet a parlay of Zverev over Nadal, which was a long shot, and Rangers, like the Rangers not to cover the spread um, against Tampa Bay. Well, they destroyed Tampa Bay in game two. Oh, no, this was a game one bet. They destroyed Tampa Bay. So I was like, whoopsie. And then Zverev... It didn't matter because I'd already lost the parlay, but then Zverev actually backed out due to injury, and now Rafa Nadal is a 14-time French Open champion. But um, I lost, so I lost those two bets. So now I'm down. So that was my 1,200 winnings were now down to 800, and I took one more bet of $100 out of that 800. So I'm still plus 700 on Fanduels, and I'm I'm officially retiring from Fanduels. Um, Let's hope they recover from losing $700 to me. I really took the fucking house. But I bet $100 on Jordan Poole, and the parlay there was Golden State wins the series, and Jordan Poole has one 30-point game during the series. I thought, that's a pretty good bet. And the odds were plus, I think it's a plus 1,300 bet, a plus 1,200 or a plus 1,300. So obviously, if Jordan Poole scores 30 points in any game in the series and the Warriors win the series, that's that will jack my winnings back up to like plus 1,900 on FanDuel. And then they will probably declare bankruptcy because I just took the fucking house with my 1,900 bucks. Sorry, fan, sorry not sorry, FanDuel. This is how I win. Um, but the big bet we have left is my Golden State bet because the Celtics looked very tough, although they fucking – it. I, I mean – they blitzed Golden State like Golden State usually blitzes people. It was very unsettling to see. But um, my big bet remaining is still the $200 bet I placed on Golden State in April for the beautiful odds of plus 800. Um, so I will get uh, 1800 bucks into my bank account, the 200 return and the 1600 of winnings if they win. So obviously a Golden State win is the goal, and a Golden State win plus Jordan Poole will, you know, basically make me another will pay me out three grand so let's hope for that folks let's hope for that although i know you're probably hoping for horrible gambling news so you can go i want to hear jail have an adam sandler collapse on his podcast kg 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 i want i want to show you my bet did you see my bet this is how i win i disagree um but uh yeah that's the gambling corner guys but I'm 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 retiring from gambling, not ever, not forever. More like a Barbra Streisand retirement. But I, 
you know, I had my, I played my wagers. I had fun. And, and if I win no more bets between FanDuel and DraftKings, I will probably be over the last 10 months, like even. That's fine. I had a lot of fun. I had some wins. I had some losses and I haven't done anything catastrophic. So good. And then I immediately sent, you know, the portion of my winnings, um, to the IRS for my quarterly payment. So it's all good. That that gambling money is now, um, you know, funding a public school somewhere uh, for for um, for kids to get shot at. So it's a beautiful circle of life, everybody. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. I certainly did. Now I have to, um, you know, prepare for my nephew to come visit and pick out a movie for him to watch. I'm trying to get him to watch more comedies. I don't want him to think that Robert Downey Jr. and Thor are the only sources of comedy in the world, which is sort of what we're shaping up to in the world. Um, so uh, that's it. Thank you for listening. Please go check out the Patreon. I think I do not think you will regret it. Be like Nicole, who joined during the recording of this show. Um, don't be like everyone else in the world. Be like Nicole and join the Patreon. Um, Boston, I don't know if I mentioned that, but I have two shows in Boston on July 15th. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and then I'm doing a meet and greet on Saturday night in Boston, the 16th, um, at whatever Panera Bread is closest to my hotel. I'll just be sitting there drinking a tea and having a chocolate chip cookie, reading a book. So, <laughs> uh, yes, guys, thank you for listening. I appreciate it as always. Uh, maybe I'll just keep staying off social media for a little bit and see if my mood continues to improve. Um, probably not, but we'll see. So have a great, uh, have a great week. Stay safe. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and I will see you next Tuesday. Uh-huh.